So this is the thing about the it's a small world, right? It's, you know, it's, 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 it gives you the effect. So when I first went on the it's a small world, I'd never done mushrooms. Okay. I hadn't done mushrooms yet, right? So you were a mushroom virgin. Yes. Okay. I didn't even know that. I just didn't know that mushrooms were, were things that you would choose to eat. Okay. Not only as like a, a psychedelic, but just as a nutrient. I was against mushrooms as a kid. I wouldn't eat the mushrooms. So like on your cheeseburger, there you never had? Never. I said, yeah. no thanks. Okay. No thank you. Okay. To mushrooms. Uh, so I'm on the small. So on the, on the ride, it gave me the effect that I got while on mushrooms as a little kid. Because when you make the transition between these different pockets of the world, the entire tone of the attraction changes. They change the music a little bit. It gets like the air conditioning changes a little bit. Some par- parts are a little hotter. Some parts are a little cooler. And you get that. It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share that it's time we're aware. It's a small world after all. And I remember now that we're talking about it, I, I, it was very similar. It was like the same thing as a mushroom trip. Yeah, so which is more convenient? Just taking the mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't ever need to go on the ride again. You don't got to go on the ride again. <laughs> Although if you wanted to know what mushrooms feel like, go on It's a Small World in, in Disney World Orlando. Yeah, if you're not interested in, that, <laughs> yeah. in getting the mushrooms. Yeah, that'll give you the same effect. Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, so family dynamics. Yeah, family dynamics. Uh, I think it's... Uh, it's an important topic to talk about, and it was uh, passed um, on to me from a special friend. And um, I was taking a look at it, thinking about family dynamics in general, and looking at my own experience in relationship with my family and extended family. And the thing that changed for me, which helped me with with my fam with the family dynamics, was that I recognized that while I was growing up the whole thing was about me. Like I was, I was wanting to fix my dad because of me. I was wanting to fix my mom because of me. I was looking to do things within the family so that I could feel better about my own self and my own life and getting everything to go back to the way that it it was or could be, or I thought could be. Mm. It was a control thing, right? But it all revolved around my own selfishness. And that's the thing that I recognized was that I was operating from a place of extreme selfishness and self-centeredness, right? And never once during those periods of time was I ever thinking about being a contributor, like being a contributor of peace and being a contributor of, of um, you know, um, contribution, really, like just doing things for the sake of, of doing them to be like to give something to the family. Right. right yeah. Give something to my dad, give something to my mom and not have any expectation of them doing something for me. Right. Like yeah. just being kind to, to my family for the sake of being kind to my family. But I would be kind to the family so that they would be a certain like they would give me something. Right. And so years later, I came to see that like. My, it was my my issue with with my family and how I operated within that structure was because of my expectations of someone else and so it became more about and it's still this way to this day it's it becomes more about contributing to 
my dad and contributing to my mom and contributing to my brother and contributing to my sister, even if it's just a phone call to ask them how they're doing, mm-hmm. right? Like one of the things that used to drive me nuts was that nobody would ever call me and ask me how I was. Oh, wow. Right? Like I didn't, I would very rarely get phone calls and be like, hey, you know, what's going on? How are you? You're halfway across the planet. How, you know, how you plan? What's going on with your, with your golf or what's going on with school or like whatever. That never happened. I was always the one that had to make the phone calls. Mm. And so I would make those phone calls so that I could get something out of them. But I never made those phone calls in the effort of contributing something. Right. So we're offering them the same thing you were seeking. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. So and I think this has been the most pivotal thing from a dysfunctional family is recognizing that in order for me to have some semblance of peace and serenity and how I operate in the world and how I operate in my family is that it has to be about them. And I have to see it for what it really is. I have to see that I am completely powerless over the the changing of their lives, right? I'm completely powerless over what they do, what they say, how they operate. But what I am power, what I do have power over is what, how I contribute, what, how I'm showing up. And so my thing now is more about making those phone calls in contribution and asking, hey, what's going on with you? How's work going? How's business going? How's your golf game? How are, how's everything, like, how's the new house? How, you know, how's, how's, uh, how's the wife? Whatever, right? Like, and that changed the game for me because I no longer have any expectation of my family. I don't have any expectation of, like, um, getting something from it. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing that happened was, is that all of a sudden I started doing that. And not only did I become at peace with the situation and like how it's how it's structured, but they started calling me more (laughs) and asking me what was going on in my life. And it was like the coolest thing ever because I was like, whoa, all I had to do was just be a purveyor of contribution and like get interested in my in my family's lives and like be available to them. And then, then I can receive like, then something comes back my way and that's how it worked out. So this is really, this is really, really profound. What you, what you just shared. And I, and I want to try to unpack it because, yeah, okay. because what that is seems to be my daily experience. The meditative state is when I am going around the day throughout the day, I see, and I start in the morning but like generally for me, it is a recognition when my mind starts trying to get or think how something can or should be about me, I literally let it die off and remind myself or remind myself exactly what you just described. This isn't about me. It's not about me. Right. I tap into that awareness part of myself that recognizes those things and goes, wow, that's funny that you thought this was about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Like I go to my you know? dad's wedding thinking this is this is my show. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we go out to eat thinking this is my my time to shine or my time to yeah. you know, impress or whatever it may be. Yeah. And that's just not what it is. That's not, at least for me, the isness of my experience has been so emboldened because of this practice, because of the reiteration the first of all it's it's really the surrender of those thoughts that try to make the world and the events and the people in it about me the surrender of that and then the 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 uh 
reminding myself what I know to be true, you know, which is whatever the, whatever the truth may be. Right. Right. And again, like we've talked about many times, this isn't like, it's not a better or worse sort of situation. It's, no, no, it's just no. a total well, know, I think it's, I mean, preference because th- I'd rather enjoy myself wherever I go and be comfortable in my own skin wherever I go rather than be a reactive, you know, bouncy ball to every, every situation. And that's what I was for a long time. Same here. Coming from a place of selfishness and self-centeredness, you know. I mean, and I left, every, I, I would leave events or hangouts or dinners or whatever i would leave disappointed or yeah. fi- not filled i would leave like emptier yeah i would be like you ever gone out to e- gone out to eat with friends and and left and been like man i really i, should, I feel like i need to hang out with some friends <laughs> it's like whoa like i didn't do anything I, I wasn't there to contribute anything i was there to try to i don't know it's just it's just interesting because and i don't i don't want to claim this as a better or worse thing but i'm operating under the assumption that someone listening is interested in this type of stuff yeah like the attitude, like what does that look like and how do I actually apply it? Yeah, and for me it was really simple. Was rather than thinking about what you can get out of this, Peter, think about what you can give to this. What can you do for this? And it's very, very important that I don't have any attachment to the result of what I do. Meaning that if I do something uh, of you know, that's contributive in nature. I can't expect a pat on the back and say, hey, way to go, kid. You're a great son. Because that's still selfish. Mm. That's still rooted in a place of self-centeredness because I'm taking that action for the sake of getting something in return. Mm. And it's still miserable. Yeah. Right? However... When I go into the situation and I'm like, okay, this is the way it's probably going to be. I'm very clear on that. This is not about me. This is about, uh, this is a birthday party that's celebrating my mom, or this is a birthday party that's celebrating my brother, or this is my sister's wedding. I don't care who's there, right? I don't have to like anybody there or dislike anybody there. That doesn't matter. It's about what can I do for my sister in that situation, what can I do to contribute to her day, to her experience, right? How can I be of service to her? How can I be of service to my dad's wedding? How can I be of service to, for my mom's birthday? How can I be of service? And that's in everything, right? Yeah, and that's what's so awesome about, like for me, it's a lot of times it's really just showing up and and being present for what the experience is. Yeah. Like if I can be there and I can be present for everyone else, you know, but like that's tough. It's tough to get there. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, for people that are struggling with families, the, you know, the most important thing that I've learned in my experience was to be, to give, give for free and for fun. And the whole, the, the thing changes, the whole thing changes completely. Because then all of a sudden, the environment of the situation doesn't revolve around me. And it also frees me up to accept everyone where they are as they are. Mm. That, uh, you know, my parents don't have to act a certain way. Like, my parents don't get along. 
Like they they don't even communicate. Like they struggle communicating via email. If it has anything to do with anything. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's really yeah. it's unbelievable, really. Yeah. And so I'm at the I'm at my sister's wedding and both of my parents are obviously there. And I'm just sort of watching the dynamics of this thing and it's like there's still so much unresolved conflict in that relationship that it very easily can go sideways quickly. Wow. And it's, it's, uh, and this isn't, I don't think that this isn't the, the intention, but like, I'm just watching this at the, at the dinner table when we were at dinner and I'm thinking to myself, man, if one little thing gets put out of place here in the next 20 minutes, like, my sister's night could be ruined. Wow. Like it could be like, it could be disastrous. Hmm. And I was watching and, and I was watching it in in reflection of myself because I, I don't want to be that way. Like I don't ever want to be in that type of situation. If my daughter or son is getting married and my ex wife is there, I want to make that about my son or my daughter like make that experience about them and that evening and that exciting event and like that launching pad into life and be that type of type of person not concerned whether my ex-wife you know says the right thing or doesn't say the right thing or makes a scene or whatever you know like I don't want to have any focus on that and I don't want to be in a place where I'm avoiding that either like where I'm I'm you know I'm I'm trying to stay away from from that like I, I want to be free of that I want to be um, it was just a really interesting thing to watch and um, the cool part about it is that moving forward in my life like I don't have to be that anymore I don't have to continue the same pattern of dysfunction and you know really traumatic well, sort of it, stuff it's interesting to me because like you know we're talking about this family dynamic and our relation to the family the contribution state yeah. Right? And I'm just thinking about it. And it, to me, it's it's a byproduct of living that way. Like if I were to try and just say, OK, now when I go around my family, I'm going to be this way is different than just being that way. Like if I'm just being that way, this is what you do. Right. Right. It's yeah, it, it's certainly there's a, a permeation of life. I mean, it's a it's an all encompassing thing. So if I'm that way in the office, my probability of being that way at work or at, at the family function is. So I want to. So I want to. So it seems to be my experience when I I can tell I can tell when I'm in relation with other people. Um, I don't this is going to sound too trippy to say out loud. I don't I don't really want to say it It almost. Well, I will say it. it's almost like reality is reminding me that no one gives a shit about me. I see it. I see it in people's eyes when they zone out when I'm trying to talk about something I'm going through. Yeah. And I realize, oh, I'm over talking. I can see it in in the in the angle of where where movement goes or what their body language does. And I go, it's like reality is reminding me. And so then, so I wanted to ask you, and I I want to answer this question myself as well. The and and. Uh, I'll backtrack a little bit. Somebody asked me yesterday or two days ago, what do I do? Like I was at this like kind of like a work thing, you know, meeting new people, touring a facility. And I was like, what do you do? You know, 
And I really want to be honest. I just want to be in my truth, right? Like, and I decided to say what is in my heart. And I was like, honestly, I, I live a meditative life. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. What was the response? Kind of a deer in the headlights, you know, and then yeah. the guy that was touring me around was like, oh, yeah, he also does all this and this, uh, looking at me to continue talking. And I was like, yeah, that too. That So I, I, I put the, you know, I started talking about the actions and the things I have done, you know, which aren't as interesting to me as being present for what is. But anyway, so the point being is I've gotten at least the last couple of weeks since we've talked it's you know I got to spend a lot of time alone yep totally so totally sequestered from everyone I was I was out of town in a house by myself for 10 days and uh I don't know it's just it just remind it's like the moments that I have for myself are so valuable like I, I I need to have my morning reading my morning routine you know and throughout the day driving and being able to recenter and refocus myself that's so valuable because I'm gonna be in experiences where it's not about me so regularly because I don't want it to be so it's like when I asked you like how's your week been and you said man it's been it's been super busy with work you know I've only had probably three hours of, a, of free time and and you were like I'm doing the things I've always been doing yeah and like that's that's where I wanted to ask you kind of is like what what does that look like for you where do you where do you go with yourself where do you give yourself the space to be honor honor yourself in that state Yeah so I mean for me it's 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 a really fluid thing So I th- I think it's um my level of awareness has grown a lot over the years in terms of how I how I f- like my state of being, I guess you could say. And so, um, it doesn't take me a, a long time to come to a place of being back here, right? Like being, being present and, um, being available and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, um, again, like similar to you, I've been living th- with some discipline in my life for a little while now. And that's certainly vital for me. That is absolutely, without any shadow of a doubt, a very important part of how I, how I like living. Um, but when things go off, uh, when things change and the environment changes or whatever, I have a tendency to just be aware of, of my own state of being. So like for uh, this week, for instance, uh, work's been a little bit more tense. There's been a little bit more uh, energy the big boss guy, you know, he's in town from England. And so th- there's some pivots that are being made in the office and how we're, how we're operating the practice and maybe some new people coming in and maybe some people leaving. And so it's, it's, uh, you know, there's a, f- there's a flux there, right. Which is part of the, the game of business. It's just, that's just th- what happens. And so for instance, today, I could sense that I was a little uneasy and I was just sort of getting caught in all of the stuff. And rather than going and getting my sandwich and, um, and, uh, I've been drinking these really nice, like, uh, uh, detoxifying juices at lunch, which I've really enjoyed. And then I sort of pig out with like a bag of Doritos. <laughs> I like these like really crappy, uh, cool ranch Doritos. 
<laughs> I do the same thing. I eat healthy all day, then crush it at night, dude. They just, just taste all good. the Doritos. They just taste good. So I, I don't know. I, I got like a, a good fresh sandwich at lunch, and then like some Doritos, and um, I just felt that um, it was time to sort of take a meditative break, and so I just went and grabbed a table by myself and finished eating and put the cell phone away and um, just sat there for a while and got back involved and I was feeling the wind and I was listening to the trees and I was watching people run down the belt line and becoming present to what was going on and I needed to do to do that but I felt my state of being shifting prior to that and that's what I just knew instinctively to to spend that time to to do that and um, then the rest of the afternoon was just uh, very comfortable right so it's it's coming it's coming from a place of sort of an internal awareness right like where when the when things start shifting and and pivoting and changing and like the whole thing kind of gets out of whack i can feel that internally yeah and there's nothing wrong with that situation. no no, no. it's just keeping your temperature on it there's something off with me in relationship to it so i've learned just from experience to take a break and um, I've done that in family situations where things have gotten a little bit tense and challenging and the energy gets a little sticky and slow and sort of like, oh, God, here we go again, right? Like, I just take the cue and, and, and separate from that situation and get, get realigned. And it doesn't, t- it doesn't take me like an hour and a half. I don't have to sit there in a lotus position like in a field. No. You know, it, that's not what it's about. It's, it's just removing myself from that environment and then recentering yeah recentering and then moving back into it right with with uh with some peace and some some wisdom and some tact and you know seeing kind of what i can do to contribute there rather than you know because when when the when the discontentment creeps up when the anxiety creeps up when that that knot in the throat shows up and the pebble in the shoe throat shows up like that's my cue to Recenter, re, re mm. recenter. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question specifically, but like, um, that's what I do. And the three hours—it's just been really busy. So the other three hours, I still um, do my exercises and you know do my reading and uh, practice my meditation and um, you know do the things I've always done. Mm. Yeah, there's something interesting that um, that started happening when we started meeting up was the sh- a shift happened from thinking I needed to go to all these places or be around all these people to treat myself, like to treat myself mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I needed to go mm-hmm. and, and get it from these places and people. Yeah. The shift happened when we started meeting up to where it was, oh, no, 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 you're you need to take responsibility for treating yourself and then go contribute to all these people and places. Yes. That was the biggest shift for me. That's huge. That is a huge pivot. Yeah. That is a massive paradigm shift. It was a total, it's a total game changer. That's uh, that's. So that's what I meant when I meant like, what does that look like for you essentially? Yeah. It's just, it's just a removal thing. Yeah. It's just a, 
it's just a removal thing rather than beat my head. Because what, 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 what happens is that I have, I'll, I'll have an inability to accept the conditions as they are. Yeah. <laughs> I have an absolute inability to accept the conditions as they are. Yeah. So the office being changed, the business structure being changed, the employment being changed, right? Like if I'm not uh, hooked up there, I'm going to most likely speak my piece. I will most likely say something. I'm not, ne- I'm not a really, I'm a, I'm not a passive person, but like when, when there's something to be said, um, I'll be very, very quiet and reserved for a long time, but then it'll reach a point where I have to say something <laughs> Yeah. and I say something and it's not, um, typically now it's not, um, you know, it doesn't create a shitstorm. Um, cause I'm thinking about and like analyzing what I'm going to say and all that, like it comes across, but it's, su- it's really direct most of the time. And it's, um, it can be really sharp and it, it can come across as being a little arrogant, right? Like who the fuck does this guy think he is type of thing. Right. And so I've learned to leave that alone until I really have something to contribute with what I'm going to say in regards to the situation, right? Because what I'm doing there when I'm reacting, uh, I'm looking for the conditions to be different for my sake. Right. Right, right, right. Because there's a change occurring or the condition is fluctuating and you're going, this isn't what... This isn't good for me. Yeah. This is no bueno for Peter. Right. And so then I'll say something that makes it better for me. And that's just misaligned. That doesn't... That's not good for anything, right? Rather than taking a breather, take you know, taking a forty-five minute lunch, just getting hooked up, and then coming back and saying something of uh, of contribution. Hey, here's my thoughts on the, on the situation. Here, here's here's how I feel about it, right? Um, and saying something for the collective betterment rather than this sharpshooting situation. Right. And it just takes a little giving yourself a little space from the first thought, essentially. Yeah. And then but then just react, just understanding that I'm not in a place where I can make a comment on that. I'm not in a place where I can contribute anything right now. And so rather than saying anything, say nothing. And it was so crazy. Take a breather. This (laughs) dude showed me his website that he designed for his. Yeah. What was it? It's a website for a new uh, uh, new restaurant that he's opening up. And so he showed me he showed me it and I'm reading it. Yeah. You know, I'm interested anytime someone puts anything in front of me. I'm like a uh, honestly like uh, just full transparency doing these disciplines, applying these practices almost feels like I'm stoned all the time. Like that's what it feels like. Yeah, no, I I can relate to that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just so it's clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can relate to that. Yeah. Like I just feel stoned all the time. Yeah. So he's handing me this website, and I'm reading through it, and I'm just like, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. And I noticed something, and I realized, oh, uh, this segment right here needs to be at the top. This is what's going to catch everyone who comes on this website and is going to make them want to read all this all this other information about yeah. why you guys are here and how you're here and where it came from. Yeah. But these, this chunk right here needs to go right at the top. That's going to draw them in. And I, it was plain as day, clear as insight, and it wasn't even me. It was just, I just knew it, and I shared it. Yeah. And, th- and I wanted to ask you, bring this into you, too, about something you experienced this week as well. 
It's really fascinating. In the world of form, or the or the war, the world of just the let's just call it the world. Um, when I'm, it's almost like if I'm not thinking about me, I can be effective in helping, treating, or seeing things for others way more effectively. Yeah. Yet I can't do it for myself. So it's almost like being a medic where my medic skill set can work for you really well. Yeah. If I'm clear, if I'm in a good space. Right. But for me, it doesn't. Like my, the meditative state for me is just letting the things I see as self-based thoughts, feelings and I- ideas die off. It's a removal thing. I'm right. not ever I'm not healing or adding or changing anything. I'm right. watching it dissipate. Right. Which is yeah, I don't know, it's just interesting. Yeah, it's well. I think it's um, it's the ability to take myself for granted. Really, like it's it's the ability to to take to put myself on the side. But isn't that weird how that works? How I can be working with somebody or or seeing something clearly, or an idea occurs that would be helpful to someone, and then I share it, and they light up, and they go, "Fuck yeah." Yet I can't do that for myself. I have to rely on a, the unknowingness of life. I have to get. I have to actually, actively allow my ideas and beliefs about who and what I could do, dissipate. Yeah, yeah. I I understand uh, where you're coming from with that. Okay. Um, what I will say is that, for me, um. For me, I've I've come to a place where um, I can recognize what's going on with with me, right? Like I can see what it is that I could do. So the only thing I think I've figured out that I can do is understand. And work at realizing what it is I think I want to set an intention or an aim. But that's it. I have to let go as soon as that's done. Yeah. 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 No, I would agree with you on that. But it's there. There comes a a point where like uh, once that's set, once that's sort of thrown out there. It's really my job to watch. Yeah. 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 So it's. Yeah, it like one of the one of the things that I've recognized over uh the last few years is that I don't have to ask uh people so much for their advice. Like I don't have to ask people what to do or like right. I already know. Like it's already there. It's it's already in me. And so my, uh, I, I've learned to follow my, my gut. I've learned to follow my intuition. I've learned to follow my reoccurring feelings about something and go with that. Right. And sometimes those feelings and, and thoughts and that intuition isn't strong enough for me to do it. But then I just recognize that and wait for it. Like I'll just wait for, for that to 
become stronger or not. Maybe it doesn't. And then it's, I don't do it. Okay. So that's also something I was thinking about this week. Okay. The, the, the idea, and we almost, we touched on it last episode, but we didn't get into it. Okay. The difference between thinking and intuition and yeah. So in essence, like, and this is kind of what I came up to is like when I'm like, I can tell it's intuition when it's action, the action unfolds. I'm not thinking about it. Yeah. So the, that it's an interesting topic because the, the, the intuition is just the, for me, it's just the, the gut feeling. It's just a, it's a feeling. It's a reoccurring feeling. Right. Like, this, I don't mean to get too esoteric here, but all a feeling is, is a thought manifested in physicality. That's all a feeling. A feeling is just a, is, is, is tied to a thought. So for instance, mm. I can have a thought about something and know it's not true at all. Like if I could put my thoughts on a, uh, like on a screen, like a banner screen that would just puke out all of the thoughts that I have throughout the course of the day, one, there'd probably be some really weird and wild things that would come out of that. But then there'd probably be a few thoughts that are reoccurring. So let me let me just break this down real quick before you continue, just to nail the point you just said. Okay. Essentially, what happens in our minds and in our body is we have these thoughts, and when we start to believe them, it affects the way we interface emotionally with reality. It becomes ingrained in our subconscious. Yeah. So in essence, we are feeding ourselves a diet of thoughts that we're choosing to believe or give space to. And that's what allows us, that's what causes us to feel the way in which we feel. Yes. It really it's really is just a chemistry. Yeah. It's just a chem you know the alchemist talks about it. It's it's just a it's a chemistry. Right? It's just um the the thought brings the feeling. If you don't have the thought, you can't have the feeling. Yeah, and I mean, it, it just makes... I was watching my niece, Lila, learn how to crawl today. And then I saw my niece, Violet, who's five, and my other niece, Delaney, who's eight, almost yeah. eight. And literally, they're, you know, at least the craw Lila crawling, like it's... She's engaged. She's got a mood. There's no thought orientation at all. Yeah. And it's and with kids, it's it's like that. And then their environment starts giving them thoughts, neuroses, yeah. despair. Right, hundred percent. Yeah, and and that crawling example is it, that's I look at that as in that's an in, in, intuitive thing, that's an inspirational thing. Yeah, that there's nothing really um, that 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 would be like a hunch. And so for me, when it comes down to this this sort of stuff, it's about following that hunch. It's about following that that reoccurring feeling in the thought, and it's. It's not an obsession. It's not like an obsession. It's it's just a it's something that keeps that continues to reoccur. Something that I, f I feel on a reoccurring basis like, you know what? Man, I just think that's the right that's the right play right now. And then a couple weeks later, yeah, that's still the right play. That thought just keeps coming back. That feeling just keeps coming back. Like, I got to go see about that. I got to follow that. I got to follow that hunch. I got to follow that 
that line of inspiration. I got to mm. follow that. Right. And I can get into where that stuff comes from. Like, but I, I don't think it's necessarily that important because I think most people have ideas and most people have visions and you could call them um, certain ideals, relational ideals, work ideals, um, lifestyle ideals. I think that's a very common thing, right? But the the roadmap on how to experience those ideals is always going to happen intuitively. Because that's process-oriented. Yes. They're going to be a hunch. Like, you have two jobs. Like, you're up for two jobs. You, you, you have one over here and you have one over there. Right? And there's just... Man, the, like, everything on paper looks really, really clean about that. Like, that, that's a, that looks clean. But it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Uh-huh. This one over here is a little bit crazy. It's a little bit nutty. It's not quite as clean. Like the offer is not quite as, you know, maybe they're a, a startup that's, you know, looking for some VC money or whatever, right? Like it's a little bit sketchy, but like it just feels feels right. feels yeah. good, right? And then I'll sit on that, right, maybe for a day, right? Don't make no decisions. And the guy calls me back and says, hey, we need to know about your decision, what you're going to make. Look, um, would it be possible for, a, a, for to give me a couple more days? I'm, I'm sort of sitting with this right now. I'm not, I, I just need to soak it in a little bit more, right? I like the offer. I like, I like what I've heard. I'm on board, but like, I just need to be able to come to a clear decision on this, right? So the guy says, okay, cool. Take a couple more days. And then the next day I wake up and I look at both of them. And that one's still a little sketchy, right? Like that one over here is still a little sketchy, but this one over here looks really, really clean, but it doesn't feel right. Like, the boss isn't right, and, like, I just don't get a great feel. The third day comes around, and the same scenario is at play. Dude, I know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to take that one. I'm going to call that guy and say, hey, I'm going with you guys. The little sketchy one. The, yeah, the sketchy one, the crazy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because that feels... That's the hunch. That's just the intuition. I've just got a hunch about this. I've got a feeling about this that just continues to, and it's not an obsessive feeling like I need it or I need to get it or whatever. It's just, it's the branches of the tree of your life expanding or moving or. Yeah. And I had that happen, uh, three, like, uh, six weeks ago, there was a guy that reached out to me and we started chatting about his firm and his practice and his ideas and what he wanted to do. And the offer was, he made me an offer and the offer was good. It was a good offer. And it would be uh, up upfront compensation wise would be more than what I was earning right now, right? The commission side of it was still pretty cool, right? Like I could put some cash in my pocket pretty quickly and like get up to speed. But I sat with this thing and I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, it just doesn't feel right. This thing doesn't feel right. I interviewed with the whole team. I interviewed with the with uh, the owner a couple times, and it's a good practice, right? Like they're. They're doing a lot of business. They're in investment banking. They're in mergers and acquisitions. They're in a lot of really fun, unique, cool spaces within recruitment. And all things that are sort of in my wheelhouse in terms of candidate profiles and business development. And, uh, you know, it's really sort of sexy, exciting stuff. I can't take that offer. I can't do it. Hey, man, look, I'm at a place of indecision here. I, I, can't, I can't move forward with it. I can't do that. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not moving forward. Right. Guy says, well, I have a couple more days to think about it. Okay, fine. And uh, I 
came back two days later and says, hey, I'm still at the same place. I can't, I can't move forward with this. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to interview and go through the process. I wish you guys the best of luck, but this isn't something I can do. Now, if I ran around and talked to 100 people, 90 of them would probably say, dude, what are you doing? It's more money. It's a better, it's, you know, you're, you're going to be able to use your skills at a higher level. Your earning potential is going to go up. I what are you, what are you thinking? Take the offer. No, dude, you're not in the offer. I'm in the offer. Right, right. So what did you see? What did you, did you, I know you, I know it was intuitive yeah. based, but like, yeah, looking back, like, what was it? What I, what I saw was, was, um. There was a lack of faith. There was a lack of trust. There was a lack of the whole the the whole thing, the way that it was done. I didn't I didn't get a good feel about the the people. Mm. I didn't get a good feel about the people for me. Right. And he came back a couple weeks later and was like, "Hey, you know, no problem, man. We ended up hiring a couple 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 other people. Awesome. That's great. Do I feel bad that I missed out on an opportunity? No, I don't because I. I stood my ground, right? I followed my gut. I followed my intuition. I followed my instincts. And I'm happy. I, I can live. So let me ask you this. It was an interesting experience. Super interesting and ultra relatable. And I want to ask you this. How yeah. How often or is it is it not so often or like can you remember the last time you reached out to someone because you needed to work something out, think something through. It's been a few months. It's probably been, uh, cause I mean, I went through the work again. I went through, uh, the, the I went through some house cleaning work again. Yeah. Um, that started, uh, four or five months ago. Right. And that was kind of a maintenance thing, but it was also just, um, I was just curious about, um, someone else's perspective about my life. And so I, I asked, um, but I'm not, I don't, it's not necessary for me to reach out to a bunch of people and ask them what they think. Cool. That was more for, that whole process was more for me to get organized yeah well and, and also it's so i the, can see <laughs> well the, yeah and the relationship is implied you've you're 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 the relationship is created because you're you're wanting to learn and share yeah. with someone who's going to act as a mentor yeah fuck i was wanting to get uncomfortable yeah i was wanting to get like you know into the pain and walk into that space and you know clean up some old stuff keep cleaning up old stuff that's what I, wa- I was. I wanted to ask you that because one of the th- things that's changed about my experience is I haven't I haven't had to reach out to anybody to talk about a quote unquote problem or an issue I was having in a while. Yeah, I didn't know if that was normal or not. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I I think it's a it's a matter of uh, growing with intuition and growing with that gut feeling and that learning to follow that you can call it following your heart following you know there's different labels to 
put on it. But I think that's what really, for me, that's where, where living becomes uh, enjoyable. It becomes like it's, I have my own internal guidance system. I already have it. I already have my own, my own roadmap based on what it is I'd like to do in my life. And it's having the courage and the faith to get in there and follow that. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, you think about, let's, it's like watching, uh, watching like Saju Guru or watching Alan Watts or watching Thomas Merton or watching, like learning about these guys. Like they don't strike me as people that were always reaching out to their buddies saying, Hey, what do I do here? Like, I could you imagine Saju Guru like hosting an event for for 150,000 people or something in a big stadium, and he's so nervous and wrecked about it that he calls, um, he calls you know Krishnamurti and says, "Hey, what do you, what do I do here? <laughs> like, how do I? Yeah, I mean, you see the evolution of um, high functioning people like that or high living people like that, and you realize they just sort of march to their own beat. They march to their own intuition." I think I think the key I think the I guess one of the key I guess one of the attributes I've been lucky enough to be given was is my is my deep sense of unknowing my my deep sense of of recognizing that recognizing that I don't need to know uh yeah well the th- the the thing about that is with intuition and hunch and that gut feeling i'd never know i don't know the result of that decision or that action i don't i don't i don't have no idea like i don't know if the sketch I, like when i'm making the decision to join the sketchy company that feels good and that's what my guts suggest like that's what i feel I have no idea if that's going to be the play that that works out. Right. There's no knowing about like and who knows? Like it 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 could be a complete dumpster fire. But the the point is is that I'm willing to follow that internal that internal thing. I'm willing to look inside and and get my guidance and direction from that rather than uh what my mind is saying. What what my what what um it's not even logic but it's just this what the external factors and circumstances are saying this it's man it's wild it this is all so new for me i mean it wasn't long ago where things were happening with the business and career and and my just personal life where i i just i i i was calling people and trying to get advice or or at least some experience i needed someone else's experience to to give me some insight in how to deal with a problem i was facing like i remember calling my dad and being like i'm stressed out like i don't know how to i don't know how to lead people who are working with me i don't how do i do this without stressing out all the time and how do i honestly how do i get what i want that was the question. How do I get what I want? Like, and then the his rebuttal is, "Well, what do you want?" You know. I don't know what I want. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. I just want them to do. I just want them to do a good job. God damn it, just do a fucking good job. It's like, is that in your control? No, it's not in my control. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, it's like it really is. It's like just run. It's like you know, I kind of been bumping around and running in to a lot until I've been somehow able to straighten myself out somewhat to realize like there's this there's this Henry David Thoreau quote that I saw above my parents sink and it it basically said to look another in the eyes is a true to life miracle yeah and to in that's what it is like yeah. just the fact that you're existing you're an entity and you're ha- you can have an experience of looking in another person's eyes yeah whatever else i think is important isn't important dude like that's what's that's what's going on and so it's just you know it's and which is weird because it sounds poetic it sounds kind of airy fairy but to me it's the most grounded thing you can experience because it's not it's not what i think about what I'm seeing or what another person is seeing. It's just about being right. And you know, you talked about the, the asking for advice and the guide, like seeking out. I'm a hundred percent for that, by the way. Me too. I'm, I'm, I want to be clear that like, I'm not coming from a place of like cast aside any information or any thoughts or idea. Just to read the reason it was that way was because my, it was a desperate seeking of advice. It wasn't a curious seeking of advice. Yeah. It was an, I'm, I'm drowning here. Even in, even in that place of desperation. And I've been in that place many times in my life where like, I literally feel felt as if I was under, you know, 400 feet of water in the deep blue sea with no light and no oxygen and completely, over my head I mean completely over my head like life was so intimidating and scary and it just never felt like there could be any sort of forward progress in it I mean it was just fucking awful and you know I think looking back on that being in that type of position my arrogance and uh, uh, closed-minded attitude made it impossible for me to ask for help and Right. So I th- my feeling and belief today is that someone like where I am in my life, I'm very comfortable in asking for help um, in situations that I, I think I might need it. But I'm also very clear on watching that information and watching that uh, like soak into the to the sponge. And then it's up it's up to me to grapple with that. It's up to me to not take that for truth, but take it, but look at it for my truth. Right. And like actually own that information and own that suggestion or own that advice and, and look at it for me. And that's the, I mean, it, it goes back to this, this thing of running around asking, asking the, asking the boys for advice on a job situation, on a relationship situation. And look, I love my buddies. Like I love the guys. They're, they're great. Right. But like, Fuck me. Ninety five percent of the information that comes my way, like just is absurd. It's, <laughs> it's so far out. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. it's like, really, dude? Like, 
I was I didn't. You would have had to pay me to go there because I I never saw anything remotely close to what you just suggested. <laughs> and even even in that situation though, like it's 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 about not reacting to that and then just soaking it in, right? And taking it home and like looking at it and going, you know what? Like John said this. What do you think about that? Like let's sit with that for a bit and right. and see if that makes sense. See if that maybe makes the hunch or the intuition a bit more powerful or a bit more uh, available, right? And uh, that's the whole thing about it. And and what I used to do was take everybody's ideas because I had no truth for myself. I took everyone else's information and experience for the, you know, the the fucking truth that this is what I had to do. And then, you know, I get into this mind fuck where I'm like, God damn it, I don't even know what to do here. Like, he's saying this. She's saying this. Mom and dad are saying that. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. This doesn't make any sense. There's so much friction. There's so much anxiety. Why do I feel like the answer's clear, but all these things are making it muddy? Exactly. Because, but I'm, I'm so insecure and I'm so like torn up inside. Like my state of being is so foul that I can't even come to a place where I can just let that go and take ownership of my own life. Right. It's really, really, really fascinating because there's a lot of people that aren't well, right, that think they have all these problems. And there's really not many problems. It's just what I think about it, like what I'm thinking about it. When Also, it's deciding things in our mind. Yes, 100%. And it drives me fucking crazy. Rather than just taking a chill pill and going, all right, let's not make any fucking decisions right now. Let's just chill out. Not even take a stance. Yeah. Let's just listen. Let's just step away and listen to what he has to say or listen to what she has to say or or, or look at this book and see what it has to say. Yeah. And then let the answer and let, let what comes out of that be my truth, right? Like make that mine. And that is, that's the deal for me. It's about doing that. Um, I mean, I, I, I meet with a guy every Tuesday and I love this guy. Like Tuesday from 6.30 to 7.30, right? Love this guy. Great dude. I admire his relationship life. I admire his work life. I admire his character. I admire his energy. I admire how he, how he walks around in the world. The whole thing. He's a very respectable person in my eyes. But he will say things that don't resonate with me. And he will have ideas and opinions about his own experience and his own life that for me don't resonate with me. Right. And um, I've done exercises with this guy and like I've had to sh- I've shared with him, hey, this just doesn't make sense for me. Um, you know, this is like way overly technical and way too structured. And I, I don't agree with this type of process. Right. And th- like the information is coming from a book that's like supposed to be a, a very helpful book. And I saw that I read this book and was like. Yeah, like 20% of it I'm down with. What book is it? It was Drop the Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And um, I'm like, I agree. With, like, there's some really cool snippets of it, and I underlined and highlighted those. And, um, you know, he was talking about, like, his experience with it, and I just disagreed with it for me. I just disagreed with it for me. And the coolest part is, like, this guy's so secure in himself, and he's so comfortable that he doesn't care. No, yeah. Because he understands that it's my life. And it's about making sense for me. And um, maybe, and some of the things that I've shared with him have helped him. Right? 
So, and he also disagrees with me in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, dude, it's so dude you're like, you're like, what is it? What do they say? Like a uh, couple fries short of a happy meal, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of, that's sort of how he looks at me sometimes. Like, yeah, dude, that's My, just a little out there, Pete. Dude. Yeah. I, I, uh, I I'm I'm I I feel like uh I don't know I I feel like it's so Krishnamurti talks about listening and um you know I I just I, I feel I just feel like I feel lucky that 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 I want to listen that I can listen and like and I had to explain this to someone the other day because they were wondering they were joke they were joking about how sometimes on the phone there's just these long awkward silences yeah those are great <laughs> i love those me too <laughs> me too but in that silence to me it's um it's it's an active experience i'm listening yeah uh, and i'm like i'm listening to the em- the emptiness like the cl- the clarity like the no thoughts there's no thoughts arising and then it's like oh shit there's no thoughts arising i can hear you know i can feel my hand on the wheel or i can i can f- feel the breeze or see the trees I, i'm just like you know that's yeah. what i'm doing i'm just listening yeah waiting for something to arise internally when nothing wants to appear so then there's no expression right and yeah, I don't know. Like that's to me, that's that's. So when I'm meeting with my guy and he and he's he's talking at me for thirty minutes straight, <laughs> and he has his uh, relationship with whatever we may be working on. It's his experience. I'm just listening, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I'm just soaking it up. Yeah, just soaking it up as as best I can. Yeah. But then, grappling with that for myself. It it is. It's interesting because it's 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 funny how my how you're you're learning how to think or allowing yourself to think, to receive information and then don't take it at face value, but wait for what your body does with it. Yeah. Well, so think about this. Think about a time in your life where somebody made a suggestion or somebody shared an experience that maybe resonated with you at the time, but you couldn't I couldn't see it. And therefore, I couldn't do it. And then several years pass. And then all of a sudden, you're like, dude. What do you mean? What you shared with me seven years ago. Oh. You were spot on. Oh. Right? And I've had several several experiences like that. And the most prolific one, which is experience and advice that I pass along to people that I know who are in a similar um, experience... He said to me, he was like, dude, you're going to move to Atlanta, Georgia. Do not lose your autonomy. Do not lose your autonomy. Continue to do the things that you enjoy in your life. March to your own beat and follow your own instincts. I did not do that. (laughs) <laughs> I lost for the Ugh. first time in my life I lost all autonomy I lost all autonomy mm. and years passed like several years passed 
And uh, I was back in Minneapolis, and uh, my buddy Eric and I, we went out to dinner one night, and I was sitting there, and I was like, E, you were fucking right, bro. <laughs> you were so right. <laughs> He's like, well, he goes, what was I right about? He said, do you remember when you said to me the day before I left for Atlanta, Georgia, not to lose my autonomy? He goes, yeah. I said, well, you and I both know that I lost my autonomy. <laughs> And went into a dark hole. Oh, yeah. And uh, he said, well, how long did it take you to come out of that? And I said, probably at least four years. At least four years. Mm. And looking back on that, like, I, I, in mentally, I knew what he was talking about. I, I knew what he was saying. Yeah, yeah, you knew it intellectually. I knew it intellectually. Yeah. But I did not know it experientially because I'd always been an autonomous person. So I was thinking to myself after he gave me that advice or made that suggestion, I was like, well, that can't happen to me. Yeah. I've always marched to my own beat. I've always done my own thing. I've always had my own friends. I've always, you know, played golf. I've all, you know, whatever. Like it's all, I've always had my own life, my own interests. And <laughs> when I moved to Atlanta, I found out what um, non-autonomy felt like. And was a big part of uh, going crazy. It was a really, really big part of having a lot of pain and a lot of struggles. And, um, but again, it's a, it's like a, it's, you don't realize it's happening. You slowly fall into someone else's world. Yeah. hundred percent, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. I fell in, I fell in, and we both did in that, in that situation. It was, it was a, it was a the the both people did and so we both lost our autonomy and um when we when we made the move together we both lost that and um what a painful what a really really painful experience i mean that was really 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 awful but he he mentioned that you know he said it he saw it and he said it and from his own experience of being in a relationship like that and like he understood what that felt like from his own life and saw that I was probably knowing my personality and kind of where I was at the time. He probably knew that I was apt to go down that road and he was right. And uh, <laughs> we had a really, we had a great laugh about it. Right. Because I was like, dude, I finally knew what you're talking about. And, um, but that, that's an example of, of advice or a suggestion or something that's been given that I couldn't see at the time that it had been given, but it, germinated many years later and now i knew exactly what he was saying and had he not given that advice or not made that suggestion i wouldn't really have a point of reference right i wouldn't right. i wouldn't be able to see that period of time for kind of what it was uh, and what sort of happened it would have just been sort of a um a melding of of time so that comment that he gave to me was a uh it was a breaker it was a line of markation really right it showed me where where it stopped where it stopped and then where it started again so the thing that's coming to mind for me right now yeah is the one moment the inflection point in my life that's similar i think was i called my dad one afternoon a beautiful saturday afternoon just got done getting pitted at the skate park dude popping per wheelies perfect tubes dude having a great day perfect so I call my dad and I and I want to use the dad use the word dad 
and I want to relate it to so the archetypal archetypal is that how you say it? archetypical archetypal Arch- archetype is that a word I, archetype's a word but archetypal yeah I know what you're saying though yeah just roll just, just roll with it it's a new word <laughs> so so under the guise of the archetypal father so in the se- in the in the sense that and this kind of relates I like the family dynamics topic because I alluded to it in the beginning yeah and I mentioned about how the text with my dad and then the word privilege being presented and then his response which was lol and then me going like you know there's still some shit there it's like yeah yeah you know what I'm saying so like um because I've never established a relationship with a higher power. I've never established a relationship with the divine or a figurehead or a, and the way I've been doing it is, you know, I'm, I've been treating it like a father figure in essence. I'm going, I'm, I'm looking at it as like, even like now, like I've, since I've never had that uh, my whole life, I think, and that's the reason why I get so caught up with the family dynamics. I feel like I have to prove something is because my actual father has been that for me. Like if you're born, your parents are your gods. I think that that's kind of ingrained in me. So in essence, I basically called God that afternoon, my dad. And I said, I've got it all figured out. (laughs) That's typical. Yeah. I got it all figured out. I'm doing great. Everything's going great. I finally figured it out. Just wanted to let you know. (laughs) And his response was, his response was, all right. All right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's and it's not really a a, a sure-hearted all right. No, it's like okay, okay. Yeah. And then literally a week later is when I fell into the pits of despair that lasted for three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. That point, and then, um, I'm assuming that that period of time became just really powerful for you like oh now it is yeah Yeah. i yeah i never thought i'd be able to say this but now it is yeah it brought me to it yeah so but like and by the way my dad did not throw me into the pits of despair he was just the figurehead or like yeah exactly it was life it's i i basically was claiming that i had won out against life and life said no sir no, sir. Yeah, that ain't the way this works. Nope. <laughs> and it's it's interesting you bring up your dad because, like, uh, my old man, like, I knew, and he still does, like, has a lot of love for his kids, and, you know, he that's obvious. Um, but he was, like, I was such a wreck, dude. Like, I mean, I was really a wreck for for from the time I was in elementary school. I mean, it was like, and I have so much more, as I've gotten older, I have way more empathy for my parents. I mean... I went to a really nice school and um, they spent an awful lot of resources in order for me to go to that place. And I'm getting in school suspension. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just a, a, not a great student and causing problems in the classroom and hanging out with the bad guys, you know, like just troublemakers. And then, then, you know, so it was always like, well, Peter, you need to do this. It was always like, we need to get you on the rails here, like in the in like the societal rails, the whole sports thing and everything like you're great. But this whole education and friendships and interacting with people like we've got to do something about this because it, it, it's just a disaster. So from 
the early ages all the way through to probably my late teens, it was always like, it was, you need to go see a therapist. Like you need to see a therapist. We need to go see this doctor or, you know, you need to read this book or later on it was like, just, you know, for God's sakes, find a good church that you can just go to and like keep it together. And I mean, it was, it was that type of stuff. So I was never the one like seeking any advice from my family or my dad. It was more like him coming to me because he could see the writing on the wall. Ah. Right. And he, he didn't, um, he didn't know how to, my, they didn't know how to help me. And I'm not sure if I had a child, um, like me at that time that I would have known how to do that because, um, and I take ownership for that. I don't know why it was like that or like how, how that happened, but I was not very, um, I, yeah, I mean, there was, it was just my way or the highway. And the problem for me, for my parents was that I, I had this thing where I didn't give a fuck. Like I, I had the whole fuck you thing from the early, the early ages. Like I, I would get disciplined and I'd be the, like the crazy kid that's like laughing during discipline. Uh-huh. And like, I, you know, I, I wouldn't feel pain and it was just, and so they're like, well, yeah, we can, we can spank them a little bit and we can, you know, put them in timeout, but it doesn't have any effect. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the Joker, dude, the real life Joker. Yeah, I really was like, yeah. I was really just like marching to my own beat, doing my own thing all the time. And my parents were trying to keep me from being, you know, they were trying to keep me safe and trying to keep me in the, in the social pipeline, if you will, like yeah. to have a chance at, at life. And. Um, I don't know where I got all that stuff from. I don't know where I learned it from, but that was a constant theme. And now I think it's really cool because, um, my, my parents don't have to worry about me anymore. Hmm. That like when I make those phone calls home to my dad or I make those calls to my mom or I make those to my siblings, they're not worried about, you know, he's, he's not ending up in jail and he's not, you know, walking the street, you know, doing criminal activities like he's he's okay what a weird feeling it is when i see the other day i see a group text message from my mom to the everyone in the family and my first thought is oh shit who's dead or my first thought is oh shit what crisis is going on right i you know like that's yeah that's different and you know the 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 thing too is right. Like I, I was going to mention this earlier on, but looking back on it, um, I was, I never have any intention today to, to turn my family into monsters because they're, yeah, they're and not. I, and, I, and if I'm not careful, like, and this was, I, I'll do that. Yeah. It's easy to do. And it's, it's very easy to not have any empathy and, and to not have any understanding. And so like what the, my point in, in saying how I was going through school and going through life early on was to like, that's coming from a place of empathy. Like I understand today that I myself wasn't an easy child to be around and to raise. And like, I mean, it, I had a fucking vocabulary that was off the charts in like the third grade, like my reading comprehension was off was was ridiculous like i was reading all these books in high school i was reading like 
eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, I was already reading the romantics. Like I was reading Dostoevsky and I was getting into Henry David Thoreau and I was familiar with Walt Whitman and I was reading these off the cuff, like underground novels about really bizarre stuff. And this is like in eighth grade. Mm. And like most of my buddies in eighth grade were playing video games. And that's what I was doing. Right. I wasn't doing I was doing some really like information overload. I was just fascinated by that stuff. And so it and it my own actions ended up creating a, a difficult situation. And as I've gotten older, my level of gratitude and empathy for my parents is just through the roof. I I am so grateful, like for my 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 dad and my mom, like the situations that I was in, they uh they maybe weren't like parents in the sense that like traditional parents were, but they, when the rubber met the road and like the threshold was no longer, they were there. Mm. Like my dad took me to my first treatment center, uh, picked me up from essentially jail, uh, picked me up from a mental hospital. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, he was there and took me and supported me and gave me the opportunity to get well and I'm will forever be grateful for that, regardless of what has ever transpired in my life with my parents. I will always have gratitude and empathy for that. And it's sort of like for me today, what can I do for you? Mm. How can I help you? Like you literally that uh, those two or three acts that you were there for ended up helping me save my life. And I, I'll never forget this. I when I got sober, I remember uh, like a year and a half down the road like when I started to really get wet, like get interested in this stuff and like started to grow, I called him and I was just curious. I said, dad, where the hell did you think I was going to end up? Like you were around and you, you kind of knew what I was doing, but like, where did you think I was going to end up? And he said, well, it was going to be one of two places. I was convinced of that. I said, well, what were they? He goes, you were either going to be locked in jail. You were probably going to hurt somebody or hurt yourself, right? You were going to do something that was going to end you locked, locked, locked up, or you were going to be dead. Now I'm, I'm like looking at this going, my fucking parent thinks that Mm. like my parent, that was the reality they accepted a person that was responsible for bringing me out of this world, like out of this thing was looking at their oldest son thinking that that's where he was going to end up now making friend with it so they were prepared for when it happened 100 percent, and the level of pain that they must have felt and the level of like fear fear all that stuff was just you know i mean and i that finally hit me like that finally finally hit me so i have an, an enormous amount of gratitude for my family uh my all my family and it's so cool because I've come to a place where I can accept my family where they are as they are. And I have no wishes that they be any different. So when I'm around my dad and when I'm around my mom, I do the best I can to, to give to them and support them and be interested in their lives and ask them questions and be available. Cause I feel not that it's a debt that I have to pay back, but it's a responsibility that I have. Mm. I, th- I feel, I feel it's a responsibility it, and it's not a chore. Um, and my relationship with my family and the family functions and being around each other, it's just way easier. It's just way, 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 way easier, right? Like it's just not, it's, it's nice to be out of that. It's nice to be 
it's nice to be able to go anywhere, do anything, and be comfortable in the environment, regardless of how fucking crazy it is, mm. regardless of how chaotic it is, regardless of what fight breaks out or what memories brought up or what, you know, what slanderous remark is said about, you know, my cousin or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just, it's just not that big a deal anymore. It, it really isn't. And, um, that's really, really cool. And all of that stuff came from this internal work and doing this stuff. And right. Like that all was a byproduct of, of internal growth. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, for me, it's just, I, I, it's just better. I mean, it just, it's just fucking better. And I'm extremely grateful to be walking around in the world as a, as a human being. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm still here. I still get to live. I still get to see what happens and like grapple, participate, co-create, do this stuff. And like, that's pretty cool for, from where I came from, you know? Fuck yeah. It's pretty. And you and I both know so many people that don't have that opportunity anymore. No, yeah. That, that they don't have the opportunity to to grapple with life. Well, that's what that's one of my hopes with this show is is people that hopefully people will find it that don't don't know that there's another way, you know, and and, and they can yeah, that's that's one of my hopes with the show is that someone who an unsuspecting person who falls into this might hear something that could help them get get out of whatever they may be experiencing 100 percent. so i think that's i think that's a great i think what you just said is a great way to end the family dynamics with gratitude gratitude absolute gratitude because i feel the exact same way and so we can go in here we can actually end with this quote i think this will be good um so this is from this is from a book I started reading this morning called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. I would tell you who the author was, but my phone is video recording this, uh, so I can't go look at it. What's the quote? It's from The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. Let's see if we can find the author. Yeah. So the just to give a little background of the the book the the emphasis is essentially there's a the subconscious can be uh, we can onboard the subconscious with with uh, with new thoughts and new ways of looking at the world so it changes the way our bodies experience reality and the way we the way we create the way we express and connect with the world around us by basically like kind of what we were talking about earlier like recognizing when there's thoughts that don't serve us allowing them to die allowing them to pass through and then reminding us who and what we actually are, actually onboard a new way of being. And the subconscious shows up in action, in relation with the world. It's a fluid experience. So it's, uh, it looks like it's uh, Dr. Joey Murphy. Yeah, Joseph Dr. Murphy. Dr. Joseph Murphy. All right, so this is from The Power of Your Subconscious Mind, Dr. Joseph Murphy. Here we go. Here's the quote. Look around you wherever you live and you will notice that the vast majority of mankind lives in the world without. The more enlightened men are intensely interested in the world within. Remember, it is the world within, namely your thoughts, feelings, and imagery that makes your world without. It is, therefore, the only creative power and everything which you find in your world of expression has been created by you in the inner world of your mind, consciously or unconsciously. 
Bravo. Bravo. It's our responsibility. Bravo. All right. Yeah. Episode eight is a wrap. Wrap it up. <laughs> We're going to roll out to something. Nothing's coming to mind right now for a track. Um, I don't know. Maybe come up with something a little offbeat, you know. You were showing me some funny ones before we got started. <laughs> Something about your girl. <laughs> some really, really solid artists. Amazing artists. All right. We're going to roll it to some JJ Ice Fish. Sounds good. Hit it. You rock into a headshot production. Something about it, girl that just makes my head wanna twirl. Oh, you got me want to tell all them other girls. There's nothing else better on this world. The moment I seen her, I was in shock.